Hey, it's Wings Nuts, the audio program that talks about each and every episode of 90s sitcom Wings. And I'm just uh, Jared over here. And just for the taste of it, how are you, Emerson? I'm Emerson over here. What are we uh, talking about today? So we're talking about season three, episode 11 of Wings, titled um, The Bogeyman. Yes. Which I think we both, we, we predicted last episode that uh, it was going to be about golf. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty correct. It, it's sort of about um, not playing golf, but uh, wanting, not being able to play golf. Oh, yeah. They threw us a curve golf ball. A slice. And uh, this episode was originally released December 19th. 1991. So people were like decorating their Christmas tree and watching this in the background. Did you do that when you were a kid, uh, putting popcorn on string? No. uh, We had that like um, silvery kind of tinsel. Oh, yeah. Ones that the the vacuum cleaner would eat up. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That vacuum cleaner always freaked me out. Like putting it on its back. And trying to pull the hairs and like the tinsel off of that that yeah. roller brush, <laughs> and some somehow there's like a twenty foot long hair in there. Yeah, we our family was uh, the popcorn on string for sure. We would like microwave the. Actually, no, we had a, a popper, like an air popper, mm-hmm. and then we would sit around the table and like you know stick a needle and string through it and make like long uh, bands of it. That would take hours. Yeah, I mean, we had Christmas movies going in the background, and we were just hanging out as a family, and, you know, it's, it was a nice time. Nice. I was also going to say, did you guys, do you remember um, microwavable caramel popcorn? Yes. Yeah, we were all about that. It was so interesting, because you would pop the popcorn, and then, like, um, you would pop it, like, less time than you would normally, and then you would... Open up this metal foil thing with the caramel in it, <laughs> put that in the popcorn bag, then like reseal the popcorn bag and then microwave it for like another like 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then you shake the whole thing to like kind of coat all the popcorn. I used to love that. I I don't see it very often anymore. And I wonder if it was either just not that popular or if <laughs> there was something like uh, carcinogenic about it. Probably the latter there. Mm-hmm. And. Do you remember the uh, stovetop ones where it came in almost its own little frying pan? Yeah. And put it on the stovetop. And that one, to me, was fun because you just saw the uh, the lid of that thing just grow and expand. Yeah. Hold that little the little metal handle. I don't like popcorn, but I do uh, love that experience. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, li- you- I do like caramel popcorn, but I don't like regular popcorn. Okay, I like uh, popcorn when uh, peanut M&Ms are involved. Oh, yeah, that too. But the thing is, like, if I'm eating popcorn, I'm going to get, like, something stuck in my teeth and it's going to be miserable. And so I've, I've like, learned my lesson. Oh, I think true, true. I think if it wasn't for that or if it wasn't for, like, hacking it up like a hairball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the song Popcorn. Uh, there was a time... I fondly remember where I had a, there's a YouTube playlist with, I think like 90 different versions of the song Popcorn. What would, is Popcorn? The song? Is that, is that song that goes, mm. 
I think you're hitting notes that that my Zoom is filtering out. Yeah, and you'd be surprised how many versions of that song there are. Like some of the some of the best ones are just from kind of no name artists. Like I remember there's like a German keyboardist in his in his room that has like a bank of ten keyboards playing it, and then there's one from like a you'd appreciate this like a ska band playing. Oh hell yeah, yeah. And now there's there's a Muse version of it. The band Muse does nice, nice. So yeah, so I'm I think I'm gonna have to revisit that playlist. Hell yeah. So should we read the uh, synopsis for this one? Oh please! Uh, I'll just like I, I there's no credited uh, authors for any of the synopses, so I'll just read this one. Brian leads Joe to believe he has gotten a golf weekend set up in the Carolinas as a gift, and invite Lowell to come along. Roy correctly guesses that it is a timeshare condo sale pitch, and extorts his way into coming by threatening to tell Joe about the timeshare pitch if he doesn't get to go along. En route, Roy spills the beans about the pitch. When they arrive, ready to play golf, their clubs are taken from them, and they have to endure a four-hour sales pitch. Just they are finally ready to play golf, a tropical storm blows in, which ruins their golf plans. Meanwhile, back in Nantucket, Antonio discovers the true words to Michael, row your boat ashore, <laughs> and starts playing guitar while singing various improvised versions of the song set to the same melody. He drives Helen crazy to the point of, of chasing him onto the runway as the boys arrive back from the Carolinas. That synopsis would prepare me to see, to see a lot more than the show actually offered us. Yeah, for sure. I picked the longest synops- synopsis for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And I'd push back a little bit. Like, Roy didn't correctly guess. He he knew from experience that, that what they were getting into was a, a timeshare scenario. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and if you're not familiar with the song, Michael Roy, Your Boat Ashore is the one that goes like this. Michael row your boat ashore. 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 My goat knows the bowling score. My goat knows the bowling score. <laughs> when I go bowling, I don't need paper because my goat knows the score. <laughs> Do we have any guest stars or uh there know? was there was no guest stars this episode. This you was like what? a, a yeah, core cast right. show. I guess the only guest star was Dwayne the yeah, Storm. <laughs> not masculine enough for me, that Dwayne <laughs> guy. But there was the um the couple that just looked uh confused and maybe a l- l- subtextually like a little upset when they saw Joe and Brian smooch but uh yeah they didn't have any lines so oh yeah i guess so yeah they just looked judgmental so they got no yeah no credit for them mhm but the writer of this episode was Larry Balmagia 
Oh, that's a he, great name. Yeah, he previously wrote If Elected, I Will Not Live, another uh, season three episode there. Nice. Okay. Uh, should we jump into news? Let's do it. Um, okay. Uh, I had an Antecan Inquirer mirror. I liked this blurb in the news notes India House ad and eyebrow razor. India House owner Charles Kesser wanted to see if people read his advertisements, so he decided to toss readers a curve. A recent advertisement reads Romantic interludes? Rooms by the hour. I just wanted to find out if anybody reads my ads, he said. <laughs> Kesser plans to gauge the effectiveness of his ads by the number of calls he gets from curious readers. He made it clear the offer is not for real. Mm. Oh, God, of course not. It's far too conservative here to do that. Good job on that whistle. <laughs> you got that... Uh... Yeah, <laughs> I like I like how uh, so India House is like a, 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 a historic hotel in Nantucket there, uh-huh. and I like how he would love to offer that that service, but it's just too conservative to do that in Nantucket. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if the summer people, <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of like a, a smart a smart merchant in Nantucket there because he this is. Uh, he made it from the pages of the advertisement to the actual news. They reported on his ad. Right. And if we- you want to stay at the India house, use code name Wings Nuts Program. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the same kind of concept. It's like using, uh, you know, like a code name to see how effective your, yeah. your podcast is for advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they threw in an affiliate code there. Give me that. <laughs> uh, I got one from uh, Inquirer Mirror. A light called obsolete, but also historic by Hobson Woodward, staff writer. San Kitty Head Light is a reminder of home when cod fisherman Stephen Bender is 35 miles off the island at night and a guiding light when his radar goes out. It gives me security, said Bender. If that was dark, it would be lonely out there. The Coast Guard is considering turning off the light as an obsolete relic of a past era when mariners had no high-tech navigation equipment. Bender uses radar, but when it's on the brink, on the blink, he uses the beacon at San Kedi to guide him home. I really depend on it, said Bender. I use it a lot. You're, you know your heading is right when you see that light flickering. Bender's enthusiasm is not shared by others on the island, however. Most said they believe the light is not not used anymore. They've all got Loran and Radar, said Life Saving Museum founder Bob Caldwell. It just isn't needed anymore. I would say it's been a good 10 or 20 years that it hasn't been needed. Tackle shop owner Bill Pugh has never heard anyone com- comment that they used San Kitty light for navigation in the 15 years he's been in business. Nowadays, everybody has fancy electronics, said Pew. I would be surprised if anyone depends on it. Dan Kelleher has been instrumental in the preservation of the Nantucket Lightship. He says there is no question lighthouses are hardly used anymore. The lighthouses are almost dinosaurs, said Kelleher. They are not needed in navigation 99% of the time. 
I'll agree, however, the lighthouse is an important symbol of historic Nantucket that should be preserved if at all possible. The prospect that it could be lost is a blow to the island, they said. It's a dirty shame, as far as I'm concerned, said island artist Robert Perrin, who depicted the lighthouse in a painting to raise money to save it. It would be like tearing down the Washington Monument, which should also be done. <laughs> All right, that's pretty much it. <laughs> no one brought up that a, like a lighthouse is like a beacon for angry, drunken old men to like come to furiously masturbate. <laughs> Wait, what is that based on? Yeah, just, just brought. I was just thinking of that movie, The Lighthouse. You know. Oh, I've I never finished that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, they never quite finished in the lighthouse either. There, mm. there was always a, another bottle and or another um, masturbation session to mm. uh, jump into. Oh my god! <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, I, I I personally like lighthouses a lot, and I had an ex girlfriend who was like way into lighthouses, and she would like, you know, we were driving anywhere she would be like we gotta stop and look at that lighthouse uh, yeah it's pretty cute i imagine the lighthouse is still there in nantucket it is yeah and um i think they still light it although they i think they've you know switched to like a, a lcd light so that it probably saves energy <laughs> really are you being serious yeah i'm being serious yeah oh, okay like, yeah yeah um and i i saw like uh on google maps a picture of it that where it's clearly lit and it does look like you know that that kind of like crisp LCD coloring, kind of yeah. like it looks like that. So they're they're not only uh, preserving it, but they're actually still using it too. Like I could see them, you know, leaving the the structure there, but not actually having it pump out light every day. Right. Yeah. Um, according to the website, it still spins once every seven and a half seconds. That was a uh, William Defoe's crank time too. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump to the Bastion Globe. Just a quick hit here. Headline, hesitant judge declines to throw out Noriega case. So the Noriega case is still ongoing. And some of his more minor charges, uh, they said they, the judge would not throw out. Um, just wanted to touch on that since we talked about it previously. And then um, headline, Fed's Chief's Outlook Grim, Bush Considers Tax Cut. So there was a lot of economic woes in this issue, as there has been. Whoa. Whoa. But yeah, the uh, Alan Greenspan weighed in, and I guess, you know, the economy ain't so hot at this point, which is kind of one of the reasons H.W. Bush wasn't reelected, and he was the no-new-taxes guy. Uh, But in this case, he's uh, saying they're... There should be uh, tax breaks. And, uh, and the article closes, uh, besides tax breaks, White House officials said that the administration is likely to liberalize rules on penalty-free withdrawals from individual retirement accounts to permit first-time home buyers to borrow against their accounts for down payments. The aim is to spur home purchases and boost the flagging real estate market. And we know uh, what happened to the real estate market through the it late grew 90s. And it and, grew and it grew and it grew. And then never stopped growing. <laughs> and uh, we talked about NAFTA last time and how uh, Bush kind of greased the skids on that. So so that's where the economy was at in 1991. Okay, interesting. 
Yeah, there was also an article about a GM um, shutting like 21 plants and ending 74,000 jobs. And we all know where the uh, auto industry went in the 90s and the aughts. I wonder if that's um, the the Panorama City era. You know Panorama City in, in the valley? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a big um, car car factory town. And um, the, when the factories got shut down, but I think that would have been like an earlier shut, an earlier closing. But that's kind of like why Panorama City is like so, sort of a wasteland. Really, I mean, it's, it's being rebuilt now for sure. Like I, I think it's it's doing well. But when I was growing up, it was kind of like a wasteland, and it, and it was like mm-hmm. you know, like same like Detroit, where it was like ton of jobs got cut, and then a lot of people were scrambling to find work. Yeah, Detroit's like the accelerated example of that where it was like a major metropolis that just completely became like a ghost town yeah there's um a a movie theater called the factory right on van nuys boulevard oh yes yeah yeah that i think that might have been where the factory was yeah isn't it a church now or something i think it's still a is it not a, a theater anymore i don't think so I saw that movie Bro Bros there last oh, year. Oh wait, the plant? The plant. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. And that was a that was like a factory area? I think that was like um a car factory back back in the Damn. days. And there's also like um a barbecue restaurant called Doctor Is it Doctor Hoggly Hog- Hoggly Wogglies? Yes. Tyler, Texas barbecue <laughs> that that dates back to like um the factory days and that guy came from Texas and like it's because it's based on Piggly Wiggly's, but it's like yes. his take on it. Yeah, yeah. That place is good. Um, I'm going to go in blind on this one. This is Inquirer Mirror. Rocking around the musical Christmas tree. And by the way, thank you for giving me that. <laughs> <laughs> by Steve Shepard, contributing writer. Tis the season for just about everything, and of course, that includes music. This year, there's a potpourri of new books, compact discs, and video cassettes to arouse the senses and delight even the most casual music lover. Every Christmas, one theme seems to predominate the music industry. Last year, for instance, there was a plethora, do you even know what a plethora is? Of box compact disc sets, which in some cases brought together entire musical careers in one nice package. Well, the box sets are back, but with a twist. This year, the marketing strategy seems to be box everything, even new material. So alongside the Billie Holiday box set, a pretty much true retrospective, you have the Cocteau Twins box. Not a retrospective at all, but a collection of CD singles. If that's not enough for you, Depeche Mode has not one, but two box sets out in time for Christmas. The way things are going, before long, everything will be boxed within a career spans, with uh, whether a career spans one or 50 years, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I thought that it was cool to see the Cocteau Twins get mentioned <laughs> on like yeah, this like yeah. small yeah, island weekly paper. Like I, I feel like my parents wouldn't have known who the Cocteau Twins were. No, no. I don't think I don't think I knew who they were until I worked at like an independent record store in the nineties called Moby Disc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were very eighties, the Cocteau 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 Twins. Yeah, I'm a yeah. big fan. I really like them. 
I had a couple. I mean, I had a couple of those like uh, box sets that uh, this author's been musing about, like of like box sets of singles. I thought they were pretty cool. Like I had a Bell and Sebastian box set of singles and uh, an Oasis yeah. box set of singles. And I have the Bell and Sebastian one as well. Yeah. Um, has the dog on wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it um, it is pretty annoying to pop in a CD to just hear three songs. That's true. Yeah. I know we're we're uh, we're definitely spoiled in this day and age of um of you know just being able to like access an entire catalog just like through a music app. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's uh, stupid. I'm gonna jump to another love another paragraph just real mm-hmm. quick from the same article. Uh, but don't despair. There's plenty of good stuff out there that you can actually read, listen to, or watch again and again without feeling guilty about it or diminishing its value. Last year, we concentrated solely on CDs and tapes in this space, but you're in luck this year because we're expanding our media coverage. One reason for this is we found that music can be enjoyed quite nicely on that faithful tape eater. We mean tape player, the VCR. (laughs) As was claimed in the old days when reel-to-reel fanatics trumpeted the sound quality of tape, so it is today as more people discover the excellent reproduction to be had from video cassettes. Just wire up the VCR to your stereo and you'll be amazed at how good it sounds. Of course, only stereo VCR players deliver true stereo, but let's not get too nitpicky. That's again parentheses. That, I, that's one thing I never tried making a mixtape on a VCR. No, me neither. Oh, God damn, but now I really want to. Just getting into your friend's car. Hey, where's the VCR? <laughs> I <know. laughs> and I, uh, I set up the uh, VCR last night. You um, did? Oh, shit. Yeah, I have, I have like three VCRs. Um, I tend not to use them too much because they don't make VCR players anymore. So I'm uh, scared for the day when I don't have a working VCR. But I set one up last night mm-hmm. and um, put on a VHS cassette of The Little Mermaid for the family. And uh, the family decided that they did not like that 720p resolution. So just hopped over to Disney Plus to finish the movie. Oh my god! Okay, yeah, but I'm quite proud to have a operating VHS player in my living room. I have a, a lot of VHS still that I don't have a VCR currently. The last one I had, I think, um, was eating my tapes, and so yes. I've, uh, I had to like send it to the junkyard. It's worth. I would recommend if you see a VCR like in a thrift store, like it's worth purchasing them because they're they're going to become rarer and rarer as a because they haven't been manufactured in a couple of years so so you're saying if i see one see something set by something yes yeah. cvcr by vcr yeah exactly that's my policy well uh give me that oh yeah this is off the front page it's a uh, headline the jfk version assassination film sparks word war and what I liked about this is it kind of it just brought to mind that so much of our like news cycles are obsessed are like obsessed about like culture war stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And it seems it'll be like the the biggest news of the day is often very inconsequential. We get kind of amnesia about it too. Like, uh, you know, today they'll they'll be obsessed with uh, the president of Harvard being fired, something like that. But then we'll all just 
collectively forget about it. But I just remembered like, oh yeah, there was like a big controversy when the JFK film came out and it's not like in the entertainment section, it's on the front page of the paper. Often the media takes the side of the the hand-wringing conservative side of the aisle, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then over time, consensus kind of changes. And like, I think now if there was a cultural consensus, it'd be like, oh yeah, JFK was a was a pretty good film that really kind of pointed out some of the some of the flaws in the official narrative of of uh, of JFK assassination but at the time you know this film like re- i remember it being very controversial you know mm-hmm. and so I, i'll just read a couple paragraphs here sure uh, against the backdrop of a withering crossfire of criticism from the media and some members of the ever expanding Kennedy assassination conspiracy theory club Oliver Stone's JFK opens tomorrow in Boston a blend of fiction and a potpourri of conspiracy theories featuring the widely disparaged speculations of former New Orleans district attorney Jim Garrison the Maverick movie makers film has stirred up almost as much pre-release publicity as David O. Selznick's gone with the wind more than half a century ago. And you, so you can see even from that, it's like, I would kind of push back against the a potpourri of conspiracy theories. Cause this, cause that movie is like really like hyper-focused on, you know, just Jim Garrison's take. And, you know, my takeaway from that movie watching it, uh, uh, if you watch it all these years later, you know, is it, it's not necessarily like uh, Oliver Stone was saying that Jim Garrison's take on the events was was correct. It's more just like what that film does as 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 much as any uh, JFK conspiracy theory does is point out the the flaws in the official uh narrative you know the lone gunman narrative and it, it, you don't really need to to know what really happened to know that the the official story isn't what happened you know what i mean and and i think that that film is great at doing that like showing it's more it's not a story about jfk it's a film about jim garrison um, did you see that that Rob Reiner has like a podcast about JFK? No, I, I really don't want to listen to that, but I probably <laughs> he, will. <laughs> he's got like like a ten part. It's like a ten part series. Um, where because he's you know he was, I think fourteen. He was like you know a, a ripe young age when it happened, and he was like yeah, basically just like it was the with the most shocking like you know like heavy things to ever happen, and we watched live. We were like watching the news live when um, um, Oswald got shot by mm-hmm. Jack Ruby. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, his his podcast though is just like they they're reading the transcript from the movie JFK by Oliver Stone. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's I listened to the first episode. It's pretty interesting. Like you know, it's it's him and I, he talks about the release of of information from um, the government, and he's like able to explore new new information and kind of figure out like what he what he believes actually happened. Yeah, and you don't like you don't have to know for sure that oh it was it was Cuba or it was or it was uh uh anti-Castro Cubans in Florida or it was the the CIA or 
or it was mo- Russia. Mo- you don't or the mafia. The mafia? You, yeah. You don't have to know exactly like who pulled the gun just to know that to to there's enough evidence to see that the whole world was lied to about the truth and you don't have to you know to point out that lie um doesn't mean you're like a potpourri of conspiracy theories, you know. Do you, do you um, think that it's worse to lie to lie to somebody about the truth or to lie to somebody about a lie? <laughs> I, <laughs> I still love the film JFK, even though I don't think like Jim Garrison, Jim Garrison didn't solve the case, but it's his story is still interesting. Just like the Dom DeLillo mm-hmm. book, Libra. Okay. Um, okay. Didn't solve the case, but it's Mr. a, Jim, you know, Mr. Jim Garrison. Great, okay. <laughs> it's, it's still, <laughs> <laughs> it's still a great book, you know. Cool. Okay. Okay, students. Miss Jim Garrison here, and I got no further theory about about JFK. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Give me that. Well, that was actually super interesting, I, and I do also. I sorry, I I wanted to like uh, cycle back real quick, but because you're talking about like the kind of focusing on culture wars and trying to like make something important about just like, and that's I think why. I'm an Oppen hater. <laughs> I didn't like. <laughs> I didn't like Oppenheimer because I did not give a shit about his character being tarnished by. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I was like, uh, sorry, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen Oppenheimer, but it's like the first half of the movie is them developing the bomb, and then they drop the bomb, and then there's like a fucking hour and a half after that of just like like these small conference room meetings where like it's like jealousy and weirdness and like, ah, it's just, it's these hearings and I just don't Mm -hmm. give a shit. I just just couldn't care. And I was like, I want to go home. (laughs) 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 Like I was sitting by myself watching the the movie and being like, I want to go home. (laughs) But you stuck it out. You didn't just get up and leave. I stuck it out. I did watch the boy and hair on though. And that was really, really good. Nice. Okay, give me that. I think I already took it. Plane sent to pick up Honecker goes to North... This is in Boston Globe. I don't even know what it means. I'm just going to read it because it has the word North Korea in it. Plane sent to pick up Honecker goes to North Korea without him. Moscow. An airplane that had stood by to take Eric Honecker, the former East German leader, to North Korea left without him, a North Korean diplomat said yesterday. Nyan Kim Jun, spokesman for the North Korean embassy, said the Korean Airways jet left for Pyongyang, uh, the North Korean capital, Tuesday night. North Korea offered to accept Honecker for medical treatment after Russia abruptly ordered him to leave the country last week. Following the order, Honecker, 79, took refuge at the Chilean diplomatic mission. He is wanted in Germany on manslaughter charges connected with the killing of people who tried to flee East Germany to the West during Honecker's years in power. At least 200 people were killed while trying to escape the former East Germany. Niang said yesterday that his government was still awaiting an answer to his offer to accept Honecker. In Berlin, the trial began yesterday for two former East German guards accused of manslaughter in the 1984 shooting of a man trying to scale the Berlin Wall. Yui Hapke, 30, and Udo Walther, 26, are alleged to have fired about 30 shots as Horst Michael Schmidt used the latter in his escape attempt. Their trial is expected to last into February. Four other guards have been on trial since September for the last known death at the wall, that of Chris Geffroy. 
a 20-year-old waiter who was killed trying to get over the wall in February 89. Federal Justice Minister Klaus Kinkel said Tuesday that Honecker will receive a fair trial if he returns to Germany. That's interesting. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with who Honecker, Honecker is. But, mm-hmm. God, like, I, it's also interesting to be a guard where you're following orders in that case, right? Yes. And then yeah. to be, like, put on trial for it after, like, the entire rules of the game are changed. I don't know. That's a, like, it's fucked up that you killed somebody, but it's also fucked up that you're now being held accountable for, like, following the orders. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. That's why you got to kind of follow the heart of your own morality, you know, though, too. And if uh, uh, da, da, Nazism wouldn't be, like, possible if if people stood their ground and had, like, red lines of what they're capable of doing and not doing, you know? Yeah, 100%. That's, that's why I would never be good at soldiering because it's, like, I can think of very few causes, which I would think it's, like, just to shoot another human being park in your parking spot or if they <laughs> look at you the wrong way across the bar yeah you know but other yeah. than that like you know no but the uh I, I do like the the image of a beleaguered uh diplomat uh standing on a tarmac and the the plane not picking him up to yeah. go to North Korea. <laughs> because he's like like coming out of the bathroom like with like drying his hands off with the paper towel watching the plane. Oh man. <laughs> I had to choose now to pee. <laughs> well, give me that. Headline Middle East parties agree to pursue talks next month. No progress cited as discussions end in Washington. Hey, by the way, there ain't uh-huh. no party like a Middle East party. <laughs> <laughs> Six days of Israeli talks with Palestinians, Jordanians, Syri- Syrians, and Lebanese ended here yesterday without any progress toward a Middle East peace settlement, but the participants agreed to meet again around January 7th, probably in Washington. Israeli negotiators who broke off this round of bilateral talks, saying they have to report to their government in Jerusalem, said they will keep trying to have future negotiations move to the Middle East or Europe. But the Arab participants said they intend to return to Washington and diplomatic sources say it seems almost certain that Israel will go along. And then they break off uh, section by section, kind of how the negotiations went. And I'll just jump to the uh, the section concerning Palestinians. Israel and the joint Jordanian-Palestinian delegation. The main goal, limited self-government for the Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza Strip, was never discussed because of the procedural wrangling. The Palestinians, seeking recognition as a national entity, preferred to meet with the Israelis separate from the Jordanians on issues concerning their future status in the occupied territories. However, Israel insisted that the joint delegation structure had to be maintained, even on certain aspects related to the interim self-rule arrangements. Jordan insisted that does not have the jurisdiction to decide on the future of Palestinians. The three groups never got out of a State Department corridor and into a conference room. 
So, uh, you know, uh, considering what's in the news today, that's interesting. Like Israel, I think Israel, like all, all along through the decades, uh, would not, would not do anything which would signal that, um, Palestinians could or should be like self-governing. And so like lumping them together with Jordanians like that is uh, just kind of a sign of that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, sorry to keep things kind of like on that same note, but <laughs> give me that. Sega's Genesis takes on Nintendo for Yule sales. <laughs> I and I pulled this one because um I remember I, well I read a, a book. I was a, a Sega kid. Were you a Sega or Nintendo kid? Yeah, uh we I we had a Genesis, we did not have a Super Nintendo. Okay, but. we had we did have both, but I think I I was more Sega and my brother was more Nintendo. I think we both kind of went back and forth. Yeah. But um yeah, like I I read I read this book a few years ago called Console Wars and it was about how Sega used kind of like guerrilla. They basically Nintendo had such a stronghold and like almost like a monopoly on the video game industry, the ho- the home console industry basically mm-hmm. at, at this time that Sega like kind of kind of like figured out ways to sort of like um needle them and then they put out Sonic the Hedgehog which was like fast and fun <laughs> and you know i mean like not that mario wasn't fun but like it yeah, was but... just like kind of blowing your mind like watching this like blue hedgehog do loops and stuff yeah and if you want to needle someone call up a hedgehog <laughs> there you go and and like nintendo had these very like rigid rules about like uh the way that retailers could sell their games and um so sega kind of like found ways to sort of appeal to retailers by giving them more leeway and stuff anyway uh i also want to mention that that this article is very very clearly written by someone that does not know what video games are (laughs) <laughs> if they were thrown together for the ultimate video match son of the hedgehog could probably blast the super mario brothers nintendo <laughs> once the unrivaled leader in the television video game market is facing tough competition in the first christmas for sales of its new super nintendo entertainment system the computer hardware that displays the mario brothers worlds it's right <laughs> i know i love that phrasing <laughs> Its rival is Sega of America's Genesis game, the dazzling uh, playground for Sonic the Hedgehog. The score so far, underdog Sega is selling 5% to 20% more more units than Super Nintendo, according to a survey of one-third of the nation's retailers by Toybook. And the article just kind of goes on to say that Sega is like unexpectedly pulling ahead. I thought that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. And meanwhile, Turbo Graphic sixteen is like looking in the in the from in the corner, saying like, "Hey, what about me?" Yes, I think a big part of also what what really helped um, Genesis pull ahead because like at one point Genesis was the leader or Sega was the the leader, you know, by whatever margin. Like like when Pepsi pulled ahead of uh, yeah. of Coca Cola back in the eighties, and I think a big part of that was their Mortal Kombat had blood. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. And yeah, that I think that was a big choice. But also, like Sega games played faster. Like if you played um, sports games on Sega, they were fast. They moved faster mm-hmm. than they did on Nintendo. And that's why we all have a Dreamcast Six in our homes today. <laughs> oh my god! I I was so bummed <laughs> that like they. I mean, whatever. I guess the the 
there's so many so much competition that it, it would be annoying if there was like another. But I am bummed that Sega didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. The and the Dreamcast was was wasn't too bad actually. Yeah. Um. Oh, also, apparently, like I think it, it mentions that Nintendo. Yeah, like Nintendo predicts a hands down win and is on track to sell more than two million systems by Christmas, said Bill White, director of advertising. Sega's supply for Christmas is capped at one point six million, and so like even if if uh, Sega was you know on this trajectory, they're capped at one point six million, and so it also says more bluntly, Super Nintendo may win by default. Genesis will probably be sold out before Christmas and people will be forced to buy Super Nintendo or, as you mentioned, NEC's TurboGrafx, said Paul Valentine, toy analyst for Standard & Poor's Corporation in New York. Yeah, Ni- yeah. Nintendo also has a wider network of retail stores, including Walmart and Kmart. So yeah. There you go. It's also, like it's weird that I don't think um, console games have gone up in price that much, you know, d- despite inflation. Yeah, haven't uh, computer games kind of and phone games kind of really cut into the market? I'd imagine. I think they have. Yeah, yeah. So probably like even though Nintendo would love to be selling, because like I was buying games for sixty dollars. I'm pretty sure back in the the late eighties, early nineties. And mm-hmm. I'm st- I'm still spending about sixty dollars for a game today, and I'm sure like Nintendo would love to be selling me that same shit for like hundred and twenty bucks. Yes, but, yeah, but they can't, motherfuckers. <laughs> I t- okay, I told them it's a me. I told them, <laughs> give me that. All right, newly uninsured are mostly middle class. The vast number of Americans without health insurance increased by more than 1 million in the past year, and the majority of those are middle-income families, not the poor. So, says a report released yesterday by three health groups that adds that a record 34.7 million people in this country have no health insurance coverage. Dr. David Himmelstein, National Coordinator of Physicians for a National Program, for physicians for a national health program declared our health system is failing and called for a single payer national health program. Himmelstein's organization joined with the Ralph Nader's public citizen health research group and Harvard center for national health program studies in issuing the report based on data from the census bureau. Nearly one third of the newly uninsured people had family incomes of more than $50,000 and almost three quarters had family incomes over $25,000. And um, yeah, and this issue of the Boston Globe actually had kind of editorials on healthcare, uh, which I read one, which was uh, really kind of pro single payer system and, and other articles related to healthcare. And I, f- I found the statistics interesting too, because we still um, today have 30 million uninsured. Uh, so that's, you know, after Obamacare and everything, it's still um, just another one of those, like like Israel-Palestine, just one, another one of those crises that we are like, so we stubbornly refuse to uh, solve by doing the right thing. You know, it's like, it's almost like the... Um, they they mentioned the answer right here in the in the article. Singer payer payer health. We know what the we know what the cure is, but we refuse to take the medicine. Yep. I'm also like that's a big worry for me is that I'm not going to have health insurance going forward once my job ends. Yeah, isn't so it? Just, isn't it yeah. so archaic that everyone's healthcare is tied to their job? 
Yeah, it really sucks. Yeah. Because yeah. and it's like so expensive buying it for yourself. It's damn near impossible. Mm-hmm. And then like the the plan you can afford on your own or the the plan that you can barely afford on your own mm-hmm. uh, often doesn't isn't useful in any any regard. It, you can't afford the the copays, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. That's the copays, hundred percent. Give me that. So we're on to names and faces in the Boston Globe. Arrow Rescue. Aerosmith lead singer Steve Tyler is a lucky man. His South Shore home yesterday suffered major fire damage that destroyed his living room and kitchen. But what Tyler, a lucky guy. But Tyler was able to get his wife, Teresa, who's eight months pregnant, and their daughter, Chelsea, out of an upstairs room by a safety ladder. Tyler was working out in a gym in his adjacent barn when he heard his wife scream. I didn't lose my wife and daughter, and no one got hurt. So thank God, he said on WBCN <laughs> yesterday. The fire was of unknown or- origin, he added. That's not a quote, though. I don't think that Stephen Tyler said the fire is of unknown origin. No, the, the quote ended prior to that. Yeah, I feel like that's that's like I think that's not t- how Stephen he would Tyler, put it. I, I think he knew where the what the origin was. Probably he might have. Yeah. The, what did they say that their daughter's name was? Because it wasn't the daughter we all know. No, it wasn't Liv. So Liv Tyler, you know, she would have been 11 or 12, I think, by that time. And she um, lived with her mom. Yes. Basically, like Liv Tyler's mom is B.B. Newell. And at the time that she was born, at the time she was conceived, uh, B.B. Newell was living with Todd, Todd Rundgren. Okay, yeah. And so and so Liv Tyler kind of grew up with, with Todd Rundgren being her adoptive father. And I think she realized at some point that she was like, oh, based on like physical resemblance, I'm clearly like Steven Tyler's daughter. Oh, so she didn't even know till she was older. Yeah. And she says, like, so she was quoted in 1992 saying that Todd Rundgren is um, his like spiritual, her spiritual father. And then Steven Tyler is the father who sexualizes her when she's a young teenager. Yeah, that's the meow. <laughs> Based off the, the Aerosmith music videos. <laughs> when <laughs> my daughter was hot, I wanted... <laughs> she, she actually does look like Todd Rundgren, though, too. Todd Rundgren and Steven Tyler both have those like long Muppet-type faces. That's true, yeah. Yeah. I think I would rather be Todd Rundgren's son. Yeah, me too. The uh, for my money, I'd rather listen to the Naz than Aerosmith. Is that his band? The Na- the Naz. I don't. I don't know the Naz. Yeah, I just like his his solo stuff. I celebrate his entire catalog. Not me. I don't celebrate <laughs> anything. <laughs> I wanted to mention. Like, I thought it was funny that like the article you read also mentioned the word um, potpourri. Like, I, I don't know. know. Yeah. I, I, the potpourri was the <laughs> there. It's the word of the day. Yeah. And um, I, I didn't hear plethora a second time, but... Uh, well, we've heard a plethora of potpourris. But also, so uh, I was going to pull... If you had something else to add, I was going to pull an article about um, a comedian named Wayne uh, Cotter. But it's like one of, I think, several like Wayne's World <laughs> references. There's, I saw that too. There were so many like Wayne's World puns in this. Yeah. This one is Welcome to Wayne's World of Comedy for Every Man. And it's somebody reviewing um, a stand up 
thing that he went to the night before. Wayne Cotter with Jonathan Groff and David Cross. <laughs> wow, David Cross. Wow. Yeah, Early yeah. Appearance. Give me that. Voice seeking New York service grows louder. State Representative Eric Turkington has added his voice to those calling on the Department of Transportation to declare New York City an essential air service point from the island. Town officials and members on the island's business community, Roy, have sought the declaration (laughs) since Continental Express left the Nantucket market in the fall. Currently, Boston and Hyannis are the only points carrying carriers flying to Nantucket are required by federal law to serve. As you may know, uh, Nantucket has the second busiest airport in New England. This is due largely to many small planes bringing thousands of visitors to this enchanting place. Without air service from New York, this will come to a screeching halt. Interesting. Airport news. So I did find the box office. The number one movie this week, this weekend, is Hook, a movie that I do not like. <laughs> I loved that movie at at the, this time in 1991. Mm-hmm. After seeing it in the theaters, I was all I thought Rufio was so cool. Yeah, yeah I didn't agree with that. You, Rufio is very cool. But then you go back and watch it as an adult, and that movie just sucks. You know, Rufio's daughter was. Um, did you watch Birds of Prey? The like the oh the um, Harley Harley Quinn? Quinn movie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's Rufio's daughter plays the girl that like steals the jewel or whatever that kind of the, the whole movie's based around. And it's it's Rufio's daughter, not the actor that plays Rufio's daughter, right? <laughs> right, right, right. No, it's, <laughs> like it the is, character it, Rufio had a yeah. daughter and she escaped Never Never Land. Yeah, this is canonical. Yeah. No, it, it is the actor. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Number two, Father of the Bride. Number three, Last Boy Scout. Number four, your movie, Star Trek VI, Undiscovered Country. Hey, hey. Number five, JFK. Nice. Excellent. Ooh, yeah. Cool. All right. Let's so should we uh, cl- yeah, close this newspaper? <laughs> Put it in the pile over there with all our other newspapers. <laughs> fire hazard. Yes. There, there were like news reports about fire hazards back in the back in like when I was a kid. Yes. It would be like a news story where it would be like, uh, officials are now saying that if you have your comic books stacked <laughs> underneath your bed, that's a fire hazard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I, th- I think we've all met people like that. Back in the day, there would be those those hoarders that just stacked and stacked newspapers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, also because the same way that like Anchorman joked about, uh, we're trying a new thing. It's called, I think it's pronounced yogging. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like recycling and and like the my elementary school would have contests I think for like who which which you know students family recycled the most mm-hmm. and so my friends the Hugheses would just have like these giant piles of of newspapers stacked in their front yard like in their carport that I think where they were like um hoarding so that they could submit it for the contest um, and yeah, that was also something where I was like, that's a huge fire hazard. Cause I mean, <laughs> it really is just like giant stacks of newspapers yeah. in like the Valley, the dry Valley heat. That would be, uh, unfortunate if your recycling venture turned into a house fire. So should we get into the episode. All right. So we have a cold open. Great uh, cold open. Yes. We, we're starting up in the upstairs area of the airport and I, I loved like seeing that. They, and they had the crane this episode because oh, yeah. 
It's not at like uh, a, a, a tilted angle uh, to the upstairs. It's like level with the upstairs. Like you're right up there with them. Yes. And, and I thought the they did a great- First time we've seen anything like that. Oh yeah, 100%. But I was going to say, I thought they did a really great job of um, of like set deck. Like I love oh, that, yeah. that it, like the window is kind of like a little bit weather-worn. You know, there's this um, coin-operated binoculars deal. Like it, it looked like um, something you would see like at a beachside like pier. Yeah, it felt like Nantucket, and I don't, I, I don't even know if those coin binoculars are visible from the set. Like uh, if we've ever been able to see those before, I don't think so either. So because it's kind of like tucked in the back corner of the the thing there, and it's oh, it's really really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yes, and I also loved like that that when um okay, so we should probably just mention that. Basically, Helen's looking through the binoculars and Faye comes up and she's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And um, you you checking out the views? And Helen's like, yep, check it out. And she uh, hands <laughs> the binoculars over and Faye starts peeping through and then she <laughs> tilts it down and she goes, oh, <laughs> that new baggage handler. Is he a bodybuilder? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the words nice buns are thrown out. Yep, yep, I like yep. That. And it's great to see like the female gaze here. Oh, yeah, big time. It felt kind of like a play on that old, I think it was a Diet Coke commercial where the women are checking out the construction guy. Diet Coke break, Diet Coke break. Oh, yeah. It felt like that a little bit. Yes. See you tomorrow, 11.30. But I, I, love, I love seeing Faye horndogging. I was quite yeah. happy for that. Yeah, he- Helen's the one that she goes, nice buns, huh? And Faye goes, oh, <laughs> gosh, I really hadn't noticed. And then the clunk, clunk sound of like the coin <laughs> running out there. <laughs> yeah. So the binocular time runs out and Helen goes, I'll get another quarter. And then Faye goes, better bring a roll. <laughs> yeah. Cause she had a, she had a roll of quarters in her pants, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah. That clit <laughs> was <laughs> rock hard. <laughs> no, she had a boner for that baggage handler. She had a clit boner. <laughs> She'd like to handle his baggage. Oh Yeah. And the shot of Helen running down the stairs to get quarters, like they had a camera up there too. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I love that like uh, it cuts to a different angle showing Helen run down the stairs. And like it's one of those kind of like like narrow metal staircases that you uh-huh. almost see like in a submarine or something. It's a, just a, it's a cinematic shot. And you don't, yes. you don't see that on um, a, a three camera sitcom like this often. No, you really don't. So it was, it was cool. I'm going to just go and just give it a four star. So, I, or yeah, I liked it. Four, oh, we're four doing wings. stars and stripes now? Four wings. Okay, four uh, four stripes for me too. <laughs> Don't. All uh, around a, a classy uh, classy cold open. I was like tempted to, to do the national anthem. And I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. <laughs> okay and now uh we're coming out of credits and we're back at Faye, right yes Faye, with one of her almost like what she often does for a cold open one of her quips at the Mm -hmm. the intercom there announcing the arrival of sandpiper air flight seven from boston we welcome visitors to our lovely nantucket where a foot of beach is lost to the sea every 12 months that means in roughly 20,000 years, your favorite secluded cove or quaint little bed and breakfast will cease to exist. 
So enjoy our peaches while you can and keep an eye on the little ones. <laughs> Did that sound fey like? Did I yeah, uh, very fey-like. get her, her intonations? <laughs> yeah. Her her very dark thoughts with a smile on her face. Yes, yes. It, that to me that worked better than many of her cold opens do. Was, yeah, I like that. Nice, yeah. And I like that she's touching on like an issue that uh, we touched on earlier that with the lighthouse, mm-hmm. they actually like uh, I didn't mention that when I read the article, but they did eventually have to move that lighthouse because of of um, coastal loss, whatever, whatever the word oh, is. No way. Yeah, yeah. Like it's I, it's so interesting living, or you know, like, I'm sure living on an island has got to be like has its own things because like storms come in and they wash away the the like you know the terrain and and they have to like move things and then we got brian coming in hot he's pumped mm-hmm. he's announcing how how excited he is for a boy's trip to south carolina yeah so, yeah so we're learning that brian and joe and uh lowell i guess are ready to jaunt off to south carolina for a boy's golf weekend should we do a mini deep mini deep yeah mini deep Brian's tie report. Because in this first scene, he's wearing... Is that like a repeat tie? It's a repeat tie, yeah. Okay. It's his only tie this episode, right? Right, but he's wearing a beautiful Hawaiian shirt the rest of the time. Yeah, Ooh, and while we're at it, we got to mention fucking Roy's golfing outfit. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, man, it is wonderful. And this, um, yeah, this is a repeat tie. It's that wispy, pastel-y, kind of peacocky kind of tie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I kind of feel like um, this episode was for the ladies, starting kicking off with that um, Faye and Helen gazing at men's bodies. Mm -hmm. Like, you get a lot of, like, you get Lowell shirtless in this show. You get Brian in short shorts. And you only get Roy in his, uh, not only his amazing golf outfit, but his uh, men's sleepwear, too. Oh, that's right. And <laughs> uh, we'll get to it later, but his vibrator? Yes, his, his, uh, his something. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. Uh, well, well, I'll hold that off. That's just a little... <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, Drop that, uh, drop that uh, seed. It's like the, <laughs> just like he did in the bathroom. It's um, it's a little bit like the Maltese Falcon of this episode. Yes, it's uh, it's the glowing suitcase, glowing briefcase of this episode. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Ro- they're Roy's glowing anal stimulator. <laughs> Yeah, he knows what he needs to get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I love this, like, uh, yeah, Brian. What what did, what did you eat last night, Roy? I went to work to the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Brian, I am pumped. Are you pumped? And then just Joe standing there stoic. Uh-huh. Joe, you don't look pumped. <laughs> And yeah, so so Joe's like, I love to play golf, but I don't know about this man. He's like worried about leaving work. And Brian says he's got it covered, which I don't think he does. Like that's we what see? I I wrote. Does he have it covered? Like yeah. they don't have they don't have that teenager flying with them anymore. They don't they don't seem to have other pilots. Right. 
Right, right, right. So this is, I mean, I guess the, well, the writers didn't think that there would be a couple of like middle-aged idiots <laughs> doing a <laughs> podcast about their episodes 30 years down the line. But guess what, motherfuckers? Here we are. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's the off season, I guess, still. So, yeah, I guess it is the off season, which is exactly yeah. when you want to go golf. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Hurricane season, too. But, you know, you can't expect pilots to read the weather reports. So, right. And yeah, so as you pointed out, Joe is like concerned where the money for the trip came from and, and can Brian, he take time away from work and yada, yada. Yeah, so Brian says he's got it covered. Then he hints that he got the money to pay for the trip from a bookie that like has owed him money for all this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, once, once kind of Brian soothes Joe into like the point of like being okay with things, uh, <laughs> Roy, Roy, Roy uh, springs a leak. <laughs> <Psst. Yeah. laughs> Excuse me, I, I believe Roy sprung a leak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was super funny. And so basically, um, Roy comes over and talks to Brian uh, outside of, of Joe's earshot and says, like, I know what, you're, I know what you got going on. And he's, he basically says, if you don't bring me along, I'm going to tell Joe that you're um, just doing a, t- a timeshare. Mm-hmm. And Roy's correct. <laughs> yeah. And he also says that he cannot book it, book it himself because uh, his name is in the computers. And he's been flagged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he signed up twice under his own name. Yep, and pro- I love prompting um, Brian's line. Like, like, just think about this, Roy. Timeshare people are like the lowest form of of human on earth, and even they don't want you. He called them timeshare hucksters. Timeshare hucksters. Have you ever encountered a timeshare huckster? Yeah, uh, yeah, I did sign up for one of those uh, timeshare trips one time, but I ended up not going. Okay, yeah, I I sat through one one time. Where uh, wh- wh- where did you go for that? No, you know what? It was like um, at an office in the valley, but it was like come to this thing and we'll give you like a um, ticket. We'll, we'll we'll give you a reservation for, um, you know, like Big Bear, or Mammoth, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So my friend Mary Page dragged me along and she's like, just come with me and then we'll get a free trip to like whatever. And so we went and we sat through just like, you know, <laughs> hours, hours of just, you know, sell, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we got the um, the vouchers for the things. But I think it's the same thing where if we would have actually gone to Mammoth or Big Bear, it would have been like another fucking few hours of that. So we, we just yeah. didn't go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone knows the the game now, but they they seem to still exist, so they must be doing something right. There must be a sucker born every minute. I and I never like fully understood. I guess it's just like you're committing to like reserving um a room every year and sometimes the room's not even available. Yes. I'm not, I'm not exactly yeah. sure how how it works, but it's like you're committed basically to like um paying for that that like week of vacation no matter what yeah and i have um a friend who uh, an ex-roommate who hasn't admitted it but i'm pretty sure he has a timeshare Mm -hmm. because every year around the same time him and his brother go to this resort in mexico 
And I kind of tried to get out of him like, oh, why do you always go to the same place? And why does it sometimes seem like you don't even want to go, but you go anyway? So I'm pretty sure he's he's they got suckered into a timeshare like two decades ago and have just kept it up. I guess it would be cool if if it was like a place that you truly never get t- grow tired of. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it feels like a shitty. But Bri- yeah, Brian's cut on Roy uh, there uh, regarding the hucksters and the scum mm-hmm. was good. And also uh, I liked when he cracked the joke about uh, how he doesn't want to bring them along because they don't need to bring their own caddy. <laughs> but, and, I, and I liked Roy like uh, I when he was like, I'm in on your little scam. Mm-hmm. Is this uh, before uh, the Brian and Joe kiss or did they kiss prior to that? Oh, uh, good question. <laughs> at some at some point in that um, uh, exchange, in, in that scene, uh, Joe does concede that he'll, he'll go, but as long as Brian promises not to do any wheelies in the golf cart, no exploding golf balls, and leave the air horn at home. Yes. And then they kind of like kiss out of excitement, mm-hmm. and a, a couple sees them and kind of looks at them judgingly, and... Uh, Joe says he's just happy because we're going away together for the weekend. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And then Lowell walks in and says, I knew it all along. Yeah. Yeah. Lowell, like, yeah. Lowell looks, looks at the couple and they like exchange a look and uh, Lowell goes, what did I tell you? <laughs> that, w- that was actually, I would, I would say that was my uh, PC violation of the episode too. Just like okay. in the nineties, you can get away with a joke of like, Oh, that looked gay, but we're not gay. I thought it was you know? like, I thought it was funny. Oh, well, I don't know. You're probably right, but I also thought it was funny because of the fact that they're brothers. And I thought, yeah, and I thought I was expecting that to be like, oh no, 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 we're actually brothers, and that would have been like maybe a, too much, but a nice heightening, yeah. And then do we cut to Antonio and Helen at the counter? Yep. Like same scene, and uh, Antonio has his guitar out. I don't know about you, but when I see a character on a show like pull out a guitar, I, I kind of groan a little bit. Like I never, I never enjoyed uh, Phoebe playing guitar on Friends. Like people, people talk about like the guy at, at the party that pulls out the guitar and like by the campfire, mm-hmm. and even, even that I don't really mind. <laughs> well, to me, this is like the sitcom equivalent of that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Needed uh, John Belushi to come in and just smash it against the wall. Yeah. But Antonio's take on uh, the classic Michael Rose, your boat ashore, was pretty good, though. Yeah, definitely. As we, as you sung earlier, uh, yeah. my goat knows the bowling score. <laughs> and he's and he says, um, like, that, that was the first song. That's the only first song he learned. And it was uh, the first English that he, his first exposure to English. Mm-hmm. And like I don't the this episode to me like I felt like um, the writer was kind of regarding treating Italians almost like Balky Bartokamus, you know, like like Italy is like this backwash country mm-hmm. because you know first like we're to believe that this kind of archaic song is the only English a human being in a you know in a major country was exposed to like he didn't watch star wars or anything like that right. and then also that he just didn't know what busking is right <laughs> no one ever played for money on the street in italy yeah like where in italy is he from is he from like some remote village yeah mipos you know like is he equally uh 
um, like stymied if he goes to Rome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Like any big I, city. There was just something di- that his character hasn't been treated in that way in previous episodes, you know, where he's mm-hmm. just kind of um, out of touch with uh, with the world. That's unusual. Yeah, because yeah, because he's uh, playing the guitar, and a, g- a guy drops some coin into his case, and Helen has to explain that, hey, if people like the music, they give you money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, like a Justin the Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like uh, Antonio's line read when Helen corrects him on the lyrics of the song. Mm-hmm. And he kind of is just like, get out. The meaning of changes. Because we all know that Michael Royer Boda Shore is has such a strong <laughs> <laughs> obvious, such an obvious like meaning to it. I'd rather have my goat keep my bowling score. I know, I know. It's a religious song, right? Like something about I imagine there's some Bible story where someone named Michael Rose a boat. I think so. Yeah. 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 I like um, his second single better. Row, <laughs> row, row your boat. Oh, yes. Yeah. That, that was the B side. That's getting straight to the uh, second person, you know, as opposed to the third person. Oh, where, yeah. Or I guess Michael Rebers, so that's still second person. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I didn't realize that. Okay, they're both second person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, when, and I don't mean Eve. <laughs> no, no, she never sings or plays an instrument. But she is the second person, <laughs> <laughs> according to some people. All right. So yeah, basically, it's we start off. We learn that that he's playing music, and he's. I like that when she um, explains to him that like they're tipping him. He kicks the open guitar case to, to the people. That is, that is a uh, consistency of his character. He likes to earn money. Oh yes, 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 yes. That that kind of sets up the B story, right? And we move on to the airplane from there. Yeah, we do. But also, before we do, he he gives us a second line. Sid's new hair is in the mail. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then we're back in the air, and then we get a, a, royal, a great Roy line. <laughs> you know, I wish more people would, could have the experience of flying sandpiper. Hey, thanks, Roy. Yeah, if everyone could take a ride in this cheese box, my business would triple. <laughs> 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 and Brian's yeah, Brian's still kind of covering it for the re- reason why they brought Roy. You know, we didn't have to bring a fourth. Yeah, I know. But if we left it up to the golf course, they just fill out our foursome with some obnoxious cretin. That's why we bring our own. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, and Roy uh, on cue kind of pops a, a a brown bag behind Joe's ear. Yes. <laughs> oh, but yeah, they're talking about how they're enjoying. They're looking forward to like the weekend. Hmm. Um, and then Lowell introduces us to his golf balls. His, his bag of balls. But we also learned that that Joe's beat uh, Brian the last 16 times that they've played. And we've never seen any of these characters play golf or allude to playing golf. Mm-mm. The only uh, tools that Joe's got in his trunk are shovels that he uses to bury uh, Gale. I had the same thought. Yeah, the man does not have golf golf clubs in his trunk. Yeah, and Lowell just has decided to tee off with Ed, his the golf ball Ed. Mm-hmm. And he he's uh, when they kind of are surprised, he's named it all of his golf balls, 
He mentions that he hasn't had a lot of luck with conventional pets. Did we learn about any of his pets previously? I Not that I recall, no. I don't think so. I feel like there might have been mention about like a goldfish that died, but like I don't yeah. remember really. Yeah. I'm sure our listener at home is. <laughs> 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 Write to us, Ed Mahoney the Fourth. Yes. What does uh, Brian say? Joe, heed the warning signs. You're about to enter Lowell's world. Yes. Yeah. Which I love. <laughs> we go along for the ride. And uh, Lowell explains how the bag is locked tight. And then he turns it upside down and all the golf balls dump on the floor. Well, he also says they all live together happily in their handy dandy airtight plastic bag. And then Roy, aren't you afraid your little friends will suffocate? And then we get a low line. Earth to Roy. They're just golf balls. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he explains that if he presses the flaps together, the stripe turns orange and he knows that it's locked tight as a drum. He turns it over and they all spill out. And well, while Lowell goes to collect his golf balls, Royce begins to sp- spill the beans that mm-hmm. it's a timeshare. Yep. Um, and, and Brian tries to cut him off. Joe begs him to continue. And, um, and the truth is out there. And uh, Brian says uh, reasons that it's the only way he could have gotten Joe to agree to take a vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe is not too, Joe's upset, not too happy with this. And Roy says, what are they going to do if they catch us drive golf tees under our fingernails? Yes. And we then Lowell says. Great line from Lowell. Yeah. Don't ask me, but I happen to know that hurts like nobody's business. <laughs> I also I, like I, I do like the I mean if 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 we're to believe Brian's true uh uh motive was to get Joe to take an actual vacation, that's that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Because he says that like Joe protests and says that he did take a vacation and he says you went to a symposium on plane de-icing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like yeah, I do I do feel like you know there is a there is a kernel of truth in there, and Brian, you know, is looking out for his brother because he could have just as easily signed up for the timeshare and, you know, taken um taken a, a girl there or something, you know. But so people go to these things are all on for the free ride, but they talk about how their presence there is going to help them sell it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What he says, uh, we make the place look so popular that they can sucker other folks into actually buying. Right. Or, and then um, Lowell says, I'm having a little heck of a time gathering up these balls. I love this. This ending <laughs> this is- of the. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian pitches the plane up and mm-hmm. all the golf balls roll to the back of the plane. And there's just like a great shot of a plane shooting up in the sky. Mm-hmm. And Lowell uh, goes, Thanks. <laughs> and I, can I just say, like, anytime Lowell takes his hat off, I always kind of marvel at his hair. Yeah, his hair's always looking really good. Oh yeah, yeah. He had a shirt off too. He's got he, that guy's. Uh, he's what's the word? He's ripped. Yeah, he's pretty swole. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, yeah, we cut to the next scene uh, in the hotel room, mm-hmm. and um, we learn that they've just got out of a three-hour sales Tour. presentation. Yeah, oh, a four-hour sales presentation. Yeah. And Joe says, it make me nostalgic for the time I had to pass a kidney stone. Yes. <laughs> and they're uh, yelling at Roy to come out of the um, 
the bathroom and get ready so they can go like try to hit the mm-hmm. hit the golf course. Joe says, "What kind of knucklehead believes a timeshare salesman?" Mm-hmm. On cue, Lowell walks in. Were you guys as blown away as I was at that sales presentation? Just, just think, eight short months ago, this was nothing but lush forest and wetland preserve. <laughs> and he wants to sell his boat to buy one. Yep. And Joe th- thinks that's a terrible idea. And Lowell says, "I could do enough living in these two weeks to make up for the other 40. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't catch that either. Yeah, it's like two jokes in one there. That reminds me of like um, a Harlan, Harlan Williams joke. And he's like, you know, they say that 75% of uh, high school students don't know how to do math. And he's like, and I was like reading that stat and I was like, that's really awful. Um, you know, like 75% of, of like high school students don't know how to do math. But I was like, wait a second. How about the 89% that do know how to do math? (laughs) (laughs) I love that you can recall Harlan Williams jokes. I'm probably like getting the numbers wrong, but yeah, that one I really delighted me. That's great. Yes. (laughs) And and what what delighted me was Roy's entrance. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, so we mentioned it in the the tie report, but yeah, he's got a great outfit. Uh He's got the plaid, like... um, Kind of Scottish style, like the the pants that kind of go down to his shins. Yes, and he's got like the vest. Does he got the hat too? He's got a, the hat. Yeah, yeah. He looks amazing. He looks, and then he, you know, and ever everyone is blown away by this incredible outfit, thinking he looks great. And Roy just says, uh, says, uh. How you look on the course is just as important as how you play. Yep. And then, Brian, my guess is you do both equally well. <laughs> Wasn't it Joe that said that? Oh, maybe it was Joe. I yeah. think it was Joe. Yeah. Yeah, Joe's kind of talking some shit because he's uh, Joe's grumpy. So he's actually like talking some shit on everyone here. Oh, yeah, he is. So, yeah, these are, they're like, you've been here twice. Why don't you tell us that the salesmen were going to kidnap us? And then Roy says, uh, must be some new policy. Probably too many people scamming them. Isn't that always the way? A few free letters ruin it for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, they're finally ready to golf. But as they're about to walk outside, it starts to rain. It's just humid. This is the south. This is humid. And then rain starts pouring. I've never seen it this humid. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, Carolina's Tropical Storm, Dwayne. Yep, yep. They, they're chilling in the timeshare later, like time has passed. Yes. And they, yeah, they're watching the TV, which notif- tells them that it's named Dwayne. Which Roy. I think was my grandfather's name. Oh, really? I, I think, think it's gr- grandfather should have a more masculine name, <laughs> like Roy. Whatever happened to giving these things macho names like Roy? Or appropriate names like Brian. Something that cuts a swath of misery and destruction everywhere it goes. <laughs> Joe's being Joe's being bitchy. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. I I like loved the setting by the way. Like mm-hmm. also I kinda like would be stoked. Like if if I was like on that vacation, I would have like wine, red wine, find a movie to watch on the TV. And like have like the sliding door open so I could hear the rain. Like that that's that feels yeah. like a pretty dope place to be, actually. They're that's what I was thinking. They're not making the most out of the situation. I think Roy's the only one who's like drinking a beer at least. 
but yeah. um you you step back and look at it and these are like four single guys on a on a boys trip you know mm-hmm. and i was like doesn't doesn't the uh timeshare place like at least have a bar or something like i imagine there's something more exciting that like four single guys could get up to and i'm surprised uh by brian the most like you'd think he'd be you know out there yeah he's like he's like the poon hound you'd think he'd be out there looking to meet someone oh yeah big time Mm-hmm. but they're all just like bummed and I think uh, I think Joe is this the part where he's like throwing cards into a hat. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and Brian's uh, golfing in the room, yep. golf balls around the room. And then Roy decides, you know what? God damn it, I've had enough. I came 950 miles to play golf, and damn it, that is what I intend to do. <laughs> you debutantes can stay here and enjoy your tea party. Us real men are going out onto the golf course. Come on, Lowell. Uh, I'd rather stay here at uh, the tea party, Roy. <laughs> 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 ah, well, who needs you? Yeah. Yeah, they're watching Roy as he runs out onto the greens and just as lightning and thunder starts. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think Joe even says, like, he'll be fine just as long as we don't get any boom on cue. Yep. Lightning, thunder. And then uh, you see in the foreground, you see Brian, like, uh, scrambling. Like Joe's like, oh shit, Rose rocking around in a wet, wet fairway, carrying a bag full of lightning rods. We gotta do something. And like we already saw like Brian scrambling and he goes, I am. I'm looking for Lowell's video camera. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh you you kind of alluded to this, but yeah, the this set is great because it's kind of tiered. Um, yeah. And uh, so you can the back part of the set is on a higher elevation. So it's it's cool how you can like see outside. Uh, I like seeing Roy walk off into the distance in the rain. Great rain effect. Yeah. Also, yeah. I, like I, it would be awesome if Brian could get a shot of like Roy getting struck by lightning, because then he could set it into a uh, our boys over with the red, white, and blue. All the funny things you do, America, America. <laughs> now this is you. That there that was an era in sitcoms too where there would be an episode where the characters were trying to make a video for America. Actually, that was an episode of Wings where Lowell had his video camera. Oh, and, that's uh, right. Yes, yes, and he was staging. That's that had the great. Uh, they had the human Rube Goldberg machine. Yes, and he misses that one moment. Yeah, yeah, love- that's gr- that's great consistency that Lowell still has his video camera this episode. Yeah, for sure. So that yeah, they're like yelling at Roy, crawl on your belly. He's like, he's in the sand trap. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> lightning always strikes the highest point. Keep your butt down, Roy. Keep your butt down. <laughs> and I love Brian's little admonition before he comes in. You take mm-hmm. those wet clothes off before you set foot in this house, Mister. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, we cut back to the airport mm-hmm. where like. I think Helen and Faye are both looking stressed while um, Antonio continues to play the same song. Yeah. And he has like an audience. He's sitting on a stool. It's like an, the people in the airport seem to be enjoying it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I can't say why, but they are. Yeah. Faye's complaining. And Helen says, uh, I don't know how you can stand it, Faye. Yeah. Yeah. She goes, I find astronauts and like, 
Helen goes, I tried that too. She goes, well, you should try putting it in your ear. <laughs> she pulls them out of her ears. <laughs> and Antonio takes a break to hydrate and Helen tries to offer him a meal and entice him to take a nap. Mm-hmm. A yeah. nice big starchy meal followed by a nap until close. <laughs> uh, just the tea. And I love, I'll eat after the gig. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love Antonio calling it a gig. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I wonder how much he's losing out on cab fare while he's playing this gig. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, like, I think Faye, like, why don't, I don't suppose you know another song. Well, uh, I have been composing a new song about my trip to America. That might be a nice change. And I love this. Um, he goes, uh, I would like to slow things down a little bit. <laughs> and then he's, he like plays like a few notes on the guitar that sounds like it's going to be a new song. And then mm-hmm. it ends up being the same uh, Michael Row Your Boat Ashore. But he goes, Antonio comes to the USA. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) And then Faye puts the aspirin back in her ears. Yeah. I also really like um, when he says, I would like to slow things down a little bit. That got a big (laughs) laugh out of me. Yes. (laughs) My, my friends, um, there's, there's a venue out here called the Cobalt Cafe in the Valley. And uh, my friend, Josh Austin and Carl, and I forget who the third person was, but they, they played, I forget their band even for this show, but it was basically like noise, like Josh on guitar with like a bunch of effects pedals. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy with like a bass with like also like a bunch of effects pedals. And then Carl with the trumpet walking around like behind the audience playing the trumpet <laughs> you know, randomly. <laughs> and like, they were truly just like making noise, just like woo, woo, woo building and building and um i was like in the audience just like enjoying it having a great time Mm -hmm. and i i see like the guy that worked at the cobalt cafe walk up to the stage and like you know gets josh's attention and they have like a quick conversation and josh kind of like signals to the other guys you know this has been going on for like 20 25 minutes you know (laughs) just like like a single like long stretch of just like noise and Josh gets their attention and they all stop playing. Like, like it winds down and then it's mm-hmm. quiet. And then Josh goes, this is our last song. <laughs> <laughs> and just does the same thing for like 15, 20 minutes. Folks, we'd like to slow things down a little bit. <laughs> all right. So um, they're back in the hotel. Yeah, we're back in the timeshare now. Yeah. And someone says, this will quit soon. It's just a drizzle. Uh, Joe says that. Because Brian goes, they don't name drizzles, Joe. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And then we have Lowell, shirtless Lowell. We have taxi driver Lowell. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Gentlemen, we have fire. And I love this, this little yeah. scene. This is so fun. Yeah, this is fun. Gentlemen, we have fire. Just think, those words were first grunted by primitive men 10,000 years ago. Ouch. I think a bug or something bit me on the back of my head. Can you say anything, Brian? Oh, God, is this depressing. I'm actually bored enough to take a look. (laughs) What a great improv trick that is. Like, uh, I mean, obviously this is a written episode, but like... Mm -hmm. Like uh, in improv, you you don't want to get you don't want to like get your character from point A to point C without you know getting it like you know I mean if if your scene partner is like there are aliens in the backyard you can't just be like let's go look at them 
You know, you yes. got to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's aliens in the backyard. You know, there's got to be like a level of like reality and disbelief that grounds it. That mm-hmm. way, like when you finally get so like, like Brian, I love saying like, uh, believe it or not, I'm actually bored enough to lick. I love that because that's like, yeah, like I'm not the kind of guy that normally goes to the back of my friend's heads and digs through their hair looking for bugs. Yes. Yeah. But in this situation, I, I thought that was really great. Yeah, that that was nice, and like, cause they're looking like, and they're looking like a couple of monkeys, kind of picking at gnats off each other, you know? Yeah, cause like Lola's squatting with like, uh, he's like, but he's also keeping himself up with like his fists on the ground. Yes, he's <laughs> totally shirtless and hair in his face, and yes. now Brian's picking the back of his head. Yep, and and Lola's like still talking while he's doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. He uh, says fire not only provided heat but protection and community for our Neanderthal be- forebearers. He says we've come a long way since then, and then <laughs> Joe Washing says maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Brian goes. Uh, well, I couldn't find anything, Lowell, but I don't think a trip to the dermatologist would be a waste of your time. Yes. That got, that got, that was a big laugh line for me. And like there's like something smart but also stupid about everything Lowell said because I'm like first of all, like 10,000 years ago, people were building pyramids. We we discovered fire Mm-hmm. Way more than 10,000 years ago. Yeah. But the line that really stuck out to me was like when he says our Neanderthal forebearers, because <laughs> as far in my recollection, um, in the 90s, mm-hmm. pe- people thought people thought we had no connection to Neanderthals. I, I kind of remember this because I had a, uh, I think around 2000 or 2001, I had a, uh, an anthropology or archaeology class where the, the teachers or specifically said like, oh, you know, there's no, we we did not interbreed with Neanderthals at all, you know. Yeah. But it, so at the time of this writing, Lowell would have said something stupid and wrong, kind of like his ten thousand years ago fire remark. But like now nowadays, around around like twenty twenty the twenty tens, uh-huh. I think is when the research started coming out that. Yeah, the the advances in DNA research like have proven that we did in fact interbreed with uh, Neanderthals and the 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 Denisovans and other kind of uh, offshoot branches of Homo sapiens. You know, fascinating. And so it's like, okay, so Lowell said something correct, but it was incorrect at the time. Right. Of, yeah. Yeah. Love I that. That was kind of interesting. That's great. Loves it, <laughs> as says my uh, birth my birthday mate Paris Hilton, <laughs> and, and I love this the weird sound they hear coming from the bathroom now. Right, so they're like Roy's in the bathroom, and they all start listening to this buzzing noise, mm-hmm. and they're going like, "What do you like? Uh, are we leaving orbit? What is he using? A water pit? Water pick? <laughs> that yeah. is definitely not a water pick." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, David Schramm does a great job exiting the bathroom because he kind of like exits with his head down, looking down. Uh-huh. <laughs> Roy, what were you doing in there? Just mind your own business, Hackett. I know what I need to get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and someone, is it Brian? I used to be curious. Now I'm just scared. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What, like, what was he doing in there? It is the, it is the golden suitcase. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, was he like using a vibrator or something? That's like, yeah, like I was thinking like riding a Sibian. (laughs) (laughs) Or like stimulating his taint or something. No idea. Oh, I also love like, oh, like someone's like, okay, sleeping arrangements. Mm -hmm, I figure mm -hmm. there's four of us. And then before like he can even finish that sentence, Roy has already like taken the bed. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and then, then they go, Roy, we were going to draw straws. You're right. I'm being selfish. Ah, as he pulls the covers over himself. Yeah. He's like, someone want to sp- share with me, like spreading his arms out. But like the way David Strom gets into bed too is just great. Cause he's like ass up in the air and we get like a full display of Roy's ass in like tight pajama pants. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he, and he hops into bed like exactly like a toddler does, like where he kind of hops in belly down and crawls in mm-hmm. before he rolls over. And uh, Roy says, uh, someone want to share with me? And he tickles the air with his fingers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's super <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, Brian and Joe decided to take, to take the pull-out couch, sofa bed. They offer, oh, they ask like Lowell, and Lowell says, I'll take the chaise lounge out there. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, it's under the overhang. You forget, I live on a boat. A little weather won't bother a little mather. <laughs> and as soon as he steps outside, the wind picks up and starts spraying him with water. <laughs> he comes uh, comes back in. Oh, the wind's freshening a bit. <laughs> yes. And then Lowell goes into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Right when uh, Roy starts snoring. Yep. Yeah, the way um, David Schramm's uh, um, snoring, I kind of like half expected to see a feather floating above his mouth, kind of like in an old cartoon. <laughs> yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love those. <laughs> I feel like this scene cheated us, though, because mm-hmm. we, we learned not long ago that Lowell sleeps in the nude. Mm. So I think like his like half nudity was kind of a you know, uh, and a uh, kind of maybe a little bit of fan service there, but I, I was expecting like a, f- a, f- a fully nude lull. Do you feel like it's like a bit of a Bruce Willis, Tracy Morgan movie? A cop out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, so Brian, Brian and Joe are also discussing how to get Roy to stop snoring. Um, mm-hmm. and, Joe's going, look, the trick is to get him to roll over without waking him up. And then Joe, Brian goes, no, 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 let me do it. This requires a certain <laughs> amount of finesse. And then he picks up a shoe and just throws it at him. Yes. <laughs> which, in, which in some parts of the world is the greatest insult you can you can give a man. Or um, praise. like That's why the, the guy that loved George W. Bush threw a shoe at him. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, I one time uh, with that that same ex that that loved lighthouses um i was like i woke up mid snore Did you ever do that like where like you're waking up and like you're like you can feel yourself snoring no i don't i can't recall that ever happening well that happened and it, it might also be, also be because like she was pulling the move you know trying to get me to roll over cuz mm. i woke i woke up like mid snore and i could hear her going hey you know, like like trying to get me to like think, and I like like it clicked immediately what was happening, and so I just snored again, and she was like doing still doing it, and then I started laughing, and she's like, "Oh God damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> One of those like sweet moments of uh, of a relationship that yeah, 
went down the drain. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that was like actually like a really fun relationship. You know, thing, yeah. sometimes things end. Things fall apart. The Roots album, 1997. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Yeah, I think it was like 96, 97. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, God. I had um, uh, sleep apnea for most of my life. It's mostly nipped in the bud now. But um, Wait, how, how did you nip it in the bud? I had a, like a series of operations. Which, no shit. Uh, yeah. But, I, I have apnea personally. Yeah, I had um, a septum surgery and like tonsils and adenoids removed. So gradually over time, the apnea kind of went away, but I'm still kind of a snore. But um, my uh, sleep, one of one of my many sleep issues is I, I, I get night terrors, but they tend to come like I'll have like a year where they're really bad and then they go away for a few years. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I was in a, I was in a period where I was having a, a lot of night terrors and, um, and I had like hit my wife a couple times in my sleep, like straight up punched her. And so wow. I was like, I can't like abide this. I have to have a solution for this. So I thought like, okay, I can like tie my hands or handcuff them. So I decided to handcuff my hands, but I wanted them to be like comfortable because I'm sleeping after all. Uh-huh. So I went to like a, a sex store and I bought um, fuzzy, like pink fuzzy handcuffs. Oh like my God. Fuzz- so, so I was going to sleep every night, uh, handcuffing myself in these fuzzy handcuffs. Uh-huh. And and then uh, they were in like our bedside uh, table, right? Yeah. Like ne- next to the bed because I went, when I went to sleep. But then uh, we ended up selling our bed. But then the people buying the bed was like, hey, can we buy these uh, bedside tables too? I'm like, oh, sure. Why not? So I start emptying them out to sell them to them. And then they they like clock my handcuffs right there. So it's oh my God. Embar- <laughs> a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's no, but it's because no, these I'm, are for sleeping. No, so these I are so I won't hit my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no these yeah. are so I don't hit my wife <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just happy because we're going away together for the weekend I also love um, the line uh, like like Joe's like wow nice shot you hit him like when Roy stopped snoring and then Brian goes <laughs> Try throwing a shoe at Roy and not hitting him. <laughs> and then they hear the same buzzing sound. Uh, like, because Lil's Lil still in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And they hear that same buzzing noise. Um, <laughs> and Roy, like, bolts awake out of his sleep, goes to the bathroom, and then, like, grabs something and then comes back and he throws, like, a black leather pouch under his pillow. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I guess he did. We know whatever it is he's using in there can fit in that little pouch. I mean, like if I was gonna say like the most G version, it's maybe like a scalp massage, but I think it's probably like a, some kind of vibrator. <laughs> yeah, it's a vibrator of some sort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Lowell comes out, and I, th- I feel like Joe and Brian are kind of want him to describe what it was. Yeah, what was it? <laughs> It's hard to describe, but it made my eyelids flap like a window shade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And then they go into like, yeah, like Joe and Brian, like we haven't you and I haven't slept in the same room since we were kids, remember? It's a kind mm-hmm. of fun remembrances. You on the top, me on the bottom. Roy snores. 
<laughs> Dog in the hallways coughing up a chicken bone. Yep. <laughs> and then Lowell goes, well, at least now I know who's the top. <laughs> I do love like the line that actually does happen. Uh, Joe's like, Brian, the sooner we go to sleep, the sooner this day will be over. And Brian goes, you're saying a little cuddling's out of the question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. And, and then um, <laughs> the smoke alarm starts going off. Mm-hmm. And the which, room quick, quickly fills up with smoke. Which, by the way, made me think that the smoke alarm is going off at my house. <laughs> no way. Really? Yeah. Wow. For a moment, because moment, like, my, my roommates are in the kitchen cooking. And I was like, oh, did they do something? Because, like, you know, every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. But it was the show. It was the mm-hmm. episode. Right on cue, like Roy bolts up and s- smacks it with a golf club. Smoke alarm out of my way. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> nice follow through. He he did that expertly. I, I, it leads me to believe Roy would actually be a good golfer. Yeah, probably. And then uh, Brian says, lol, did it occur? Someone says, lol, did it occur to you to open the flu? Oh, Joe did. Because he goes, yes, it did, Joe. The moment I heard the smoke alarm. <laughs> and uh, that that get, brings us to like the next day we cut back to the plane, right? Mm-hmm. We'll quit sulking. We don't care if you forgot your, to pack your... We don't care if you forgot to pack your bath time buddies. There's <laughs> no way we're going back for them. Which at first I thought... I, I thought I like misheard it and that they were like um, trying to console Roy and they had forgotten his whatever it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nah, but it was apparently Lol brought his, his like little bath toys. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just like really dour on, mm-hmm. on this, you know? Yeah. And uh, Lol, uh, uh, I think Brian and Joe were kind of like at each other's throats a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Lol just kind of interjects. I don't mind leaving the duck behind, but when I think of some stranger with his hand on Mr. Squishy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, pr- control had cleared them for landing in Nantucket, but mm. we get a nice little capper when they tell them they're no longer cleared for landing. And, and why is that? Some crazy woman is out on the runway chasing after a man with a guitar. <laughs> More than uh, enjoying that joke, I just appreciated that they offered us some resolution to the B story. Yeah, I love that. And it like all wrapped up together too. Yep. Which is, you know, which is sometimes where this show lacks is it doesn't always stick the landing. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I think they did it. 100%. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, any, any final thoughts? No, I'm curious if you had a VIP. Ooh, good question. I uh, I struggled with this. Yeah, myself. yeah. Like maybe Lowell. Yeah, I was maybe Lowell, maybe Roy. I think nobody particularly shined uh, more than anyone else in this episode. Yeah, I think some of my favorite. Um, jokes came from Roy or were instigated by Roy. Yeah. And I, and I think just for the, just for him crawling into the moment of him crawling into the bed, uh, really pleased me. I love the, the visual of, um, Lowell's Neanderthal. <laughs> that's yeah. See, that's great too. So I might go Lowell's cause I don't think we've gone, we've had like a VIP Lowell in a while. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say Roy, uh, just to kind of even it out. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, it's, and it's not that, uh, no, no, no character suffered in this episode, but it, right. it was very, very much an ensemble. Yeah, I totally. Everyone got the same amount of screen time. It was kind of like a a company um, endeavor. This episode. Hmm. Oh, you know what? My VIP actually uh-huh. that that upper area of the of the set. Just, yes. Yeah. We never get to see it. <laughs> the crane. They got the crane for this. They got episode. the crane. Yeah. You know I'll what stick, I think actually? Uh huh. I'm guessing they probably had the crane on another episode and they probably shot a cold open and we're like, we'll use this on an episode somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Yeah. That's like, like a probably, um, they should probably just crank out like a dozen cold mm-hmm. opens, you know, at a time. And yeah. Knock them out. All right. Yep. So before we get into our reviews, should we read the IMDb review? Oh yes, please. This is from uh JXHGVGH18. Who wrote, he wrote it in July 2022. He, wrote, he says this is his top five favorite, and he gives it a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. He writes, One of my favorite episodes. Between the guys, Brian, Joe, Lowell, and Roy being stuck inside their small one-bedroom rental because of a tropical storm not being able to play golf, and back at the airport, Helen Faye having to deal with Antonio's nonstop singing playing the same song over and over. <laughs> Doesn't take long for them to blow. <laughs> Just like Roy's bathroom toy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to go three. Five, I'm probably just going to go straight at four. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I, we cap it, right? Yeah, that's the that's the top toppermost of the poppermost. I I acknowledge your four. I'm going to say three only because I'm going to say this is like a par another par episode where mm-hmm. I think it was a great ensemble piece, enjoyable throughout, some wonderful moments. But it it's not it doesn't it to me this episode doesn't deserve to be in the echelon of some of the other four stripers. Fair enough. Yeah, I. Yeah, I uh, but- I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I have I have a few complaints about this episode though. It's a it's a if if you're watching me TV and this one comes on, uh, go ahead and watch it. Hell yeah. I think we did it. I think we talked about season 3 episode 11 of Wings, The Bogeyman, and next time we will talk about season 3 episode 12, Marriage Italian Style. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think uh, Antonio might be getting married. Oh, I was going to say, I think Helen's going to marry an Italian man, but maybe it's... Oh. Also, maybe. I wonder if it's going to be one of those, like, green card marriage episodes where it's like... Oh, yeah. And maybe, like, Helen realizes before she marries him that she's got feelings for Joe and I don't know. That's oh my God. A plot yeah. that's been done before, but Oh, I don't God. Know. I, I'm already... I already don't want to watch this episode now. <laughs> you made me hate this episode. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's exactly what it's going to be, I bet. Maybe, maybe. What? But I hope it's about um, a, a new woman yeah, for, for Antonio. And, and they fall in love quickly and, and marry. And then by next season, they have little Italian babies. Antonio, play the song for me again about the donkey knowing the bowling score. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Brian, I'd like you to meet my little meatballs. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> well, cool. Um, thanks for talking uh, this episode of Wings, Emerson. Thank you, um, Jared. 
And and well, our e- I don't need to mention our email because it's in the episode description. Mm-hmm. And this has been a very sloppy end of episode wrap up. Yes, it has. <laughs> yep. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Antonio comes to the USA. <laughs> <laughs>